Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Trump's cabinet is filled to the brim you ass crack hello everybody welcome to the Joyce Father Jr. show we're doing it a little bit different now but uh, something's wrong. The cold weather is probably affecting this. So we may, I may be doing this show instead of front of a front of a, instead of excuse me instead of my microphone. I'll probably be doing it on the phone on the phone. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Having some uh, audio uh, problems, we've had we're having some computer problems. I'm thinking that it's um, related to the cold weather, and it is cold. Chicago braces for dangerous cold 
uh, Trump's jokes about global warming. Who cares what he jokes about? He, he people are freezing their damn people are freezing their death, and this guy is uh, making jokes. I'm pretty sure some of his supporters are uh, uh, liking what he's saying. Okay, hunker down, Chicago. Sub-zero temperatures for the next 45. I hope that doesn't say 45 days, but anyway, it's cold here in the city of Chicago and in the Midwest generally. Hunker down, Chicago. Sub-zero temps for the next 45 hours could be one of the city's, one of the city's longest streaks. Uh, there are schools closing. There is colleges. City colleges are closing, and a lot of uh, school closing and everything. Airports cancellations. It's it's a mess. They're, they're saying it could get anywhere from 35. The 50 below, maybe 60 below zero in the city of Chicago and and surrounding places. And I do understand some people who do not live in Chicago who have not experienced the cold. Uh, I've had people say, man, I'm so glad I'm not in Chicago. I'm so glad I, I left the Chicago. I'm so glad I don't live there. Uh, but they have to understand that, you know, we have these kinds of things, these kinds of, uh, I call them uh, disasters or uh, or uh, emergency uh, kinds of uh, happenings that go on throughout the world. You got fires. I mean, you got fires. California burned down the other day or or almost did. And you've got earthquakes. You've got mudslides. You've got, I mean, you've got a whole host of disasters uh, that can go on within the United States or around the world. So this is just another disaster. And for people to put it off, well, I'm so glad I'm not there where you are. I'm so glad I was there. I know what it's like. You know, you don't. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. You think you know what it's like because none of us knows what it's like. Uh, well, but we're going to get a taste of what it's like if if, if the weather reports the truth that um, that is going to be 60 to 60, 50 to 60 below zero. Uh, and I mean 50 to 60 below zero. I mean, I think the high today was. 15 below zero, and that's what that's not with the wind chill factor or the polar vortex. That was the actual high in some of the um, places in Chicago and surrounding areas like suburbs. I'm here. Uh, my studio is located near the lake lake lakefront, so it's always colder over by the lake. It's going to be a monster tonight. I mean, we folks, if you're out there, get inside. I'm looking out of my studio window right now. Um, and just about everybody is off the streets. Uh, at the everybody is off the street. You don't see a soul out there. But uh, I understand and I feel for people who have their vehicles out here on the street. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, that's another problem for some people. And uh, and then some people are still out there. My uh, my kid is still out there somewhere, but I'm pretty sure he's somewhere warm. Uh, you know, sometimes you just can't talk to your kids and say, stay off the street, son. It's too cold. You're going to get pneumonia. You're going to get frostbitten. You're going to get cold. But, you know, kids, they have to go out for some reason. A cold is going to bite him on his ass, and he's going to run right back in here really, really fast. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I've, I was off for a couple of days. Well, actually, one day, Monday. Uh because of the cold. It is very, very cold. It is very cold, and it is not joking. It is not uh, a fun time. Uh, I still see uh, people not dressing properly for the cold. 
I still see people not dressing the way they should for the cold. I, after so many warnings from the media, the, the meteorologists, the weather people, to dress warmly, to dress in bundles, to dress in layers, I still see people <laughs> out here not dressing properly because somehow they think they're cute and they want to show off their good looks. I mean, how can you do that? I mean, you're freezing the fuck to death. And then nobody's going to look at you. Nobody's going to say, hey, you're cute, you're handsome, because you refuse to get dressed in this brutally cold, cold weather. But, but those of you with some sense, please bundle up if you have to be out there. If you don't have to be out there, don't go. Because a lot of places, as I've just mentioned, they are closing. They are... Um, closing down for the next one or two days, maybe the entire week, because of the brutal cold weather. So if you don't have to go to work, if you don't have to go to school, if you don't have to be out in the weather, if you don't have to do a lot of errands and things like that, um, stay inside. Stay inside. I mean, hey, well, frostbite can lead to amputations. You know, flu. I mean, if you if you didn't get your flu shot, uh, you're susceptible, susceptible to flus, and even if you did get your flu shot, this shit is so. It is, excuse me, it is so cold that this may make you immune to having a flu shot. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not, you know, any of those kinds of things. But I do listen to them, and I do uh, research a lot, and do a lot of research and everything. And, uh, hey, wow, just stay inside. I mean, if you don't have to be out here, especially if you're not in a warm climate, I'm hearing that it's even cold in Florida. And I haven't heard anything about California. Well, you know, California has had all of these fires, uh, so they should know uh, total disasters when they see and hear of them. And it's one here. And people will say, well, George, why do you keep, why do you stay in in Chicago, I stay here because I love it, period. Point, point blank, issue closed. And uh, it is very serious here in Chicago. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that may be from the weather. Anyway, Chicagoans might have a new appreciation for a single-digit temperatures because Tuesday afternoon will mark the start of a 40-plus-hour stretch of sub-zero weather, according to the National Weather Service. Not according to the George Wilder Judy Show, but the National Weather Service. I can see myself, as of now, folks, getting some sort of, having some sort of nasal problem caused by some of the cold. You know, uh, on Tuesday, Chicago expected a high temperature of 5 degrees at O'Hare International Airport. However, at 6 p.m., uh, temperatures uh, were forecast to fall below zero and en route to around minus 20. And you can add the wind chill on top of that. Temperatures might not recover to zero until around 3 p.m. a couple of days from now, a possible 45-hour stretch below zero temperatures that could rank among the longest. This is historical. All of, it, all of this is historical. And, yeah, however, heights, yeah, this is just, uh, let's see what it says here. The record remains 
hours between December 22nd and 25th, 1983. Okay, that's talking about a uh, 30 or 40 years ago when you know when we had this um, some of the same things. Record zero streaks in Chicago. I don't, I don't know why everybody is talking about Chicago as if Chicago is the only one where people are freezing their asses off. Chicago is not the only person. I think you got people in Georgia, Alabama, um, maybe close by Mississippi, Louisiana. You know, uh, maybe it's cold in some of those states and some other states like those. People are bracing and talking about Chicago, and I think the reason, one of the reasons they're talking about cold temperatures in Chicago is because Chicago is one of the uh, uh, the third largest city within the United States. And they might be talking about that, but it's a beautiful city. It's wonderful. It is cold. Um, uh, my uh, uh, my windows in front of me in the, in the, in my studio are frozen, and the only reason uh, they're not as, as frozen as they could be because we do have on the heat here. We have the heat, <laughs> just like Bing Rang say. Well, we've got the meat. We have the heat. But still in all, I mean, uh, I mean, you cannot be out there. Chicago is taking so many emergency precautions. There are buses out here right now, GTA buses, who are uh, driving around and trying to pick up the homeless off the streets. You know, you have a lot of homeless people who would rather live and stay on the streets. But I'm pretty sure with this brutal cold, they will probably seek shelter. They will seek some shelter. They have to, or they, or they will freeze where they're laying. So uh, there's a lot of precautions. There's a lot of warming centers, centers in the city of Chicago. If you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. show, there's a lot of warming centers, libraries, uh, police departments, uh, fire departments, and, uh, shelters, a lot of libraries, if I didn't say that already. Uh, but yeah, libraries and the libraries in the city of Chicago, they'll stay open until eight PM but then people are thrown out in the street because they have to leave. You know, you can't you can't spend the night in the library. You have to uh go uh when they decide to close. Well, they may stay up a little bit later, but still in all you're gonna have to leave. And but there's a lot of other shelters and people, police uh, the Chicago police and uh buses and, and all kinds of things, people are driving around trying to get the homeless up off the street, you know. Uh, I would think even if if home, if a homeless person wants to stay on the street in this brutally cold, I would think that physical force would come into play because you don't want anybody in your city, city, city excuse me, to freeze to death out on the street when you as a first responder could have done something. Okay, if a if homeless people want to stay on the street and live on the street, then they'll have to do it after this cold snap is over. The cold snap has to, has to be over. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and we're doing this from another perspective, <laughs> as you can probably tell and hear. But um, uh, we're on the air. We didn't, I wasn't on yesterday because of the cold. I think I was a little bit down because of it, and I'm still a little bit down because of it. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be on tomorrow, but uh, the cold snap is here. And if if we are not on tomorrow and the coming days, you'll know why. It's cold. 
it's just cold. And when (laughs) when it's cold, it messes with everything because this is Internet radio. And, you know, when it's cold, uh, you know, everything seems to just screw up. And, And then you have to say, wow, he's having technical difficulties. Yeah, cold. And I want to thank a lot of the people who um, who have uh, called in and post uh, saying nice things about uh, me and and Chicago, especially things like stay safe, stay warm, be careful, watch out, uh, stuff like that. I want to thank all those people who, who have uh, said those kinds of things. And uh, then you have the people who who are uh, joking, you know, I hope you freeze your ass off, George. (laughs) You know, you got people like that, and it's always uh, in that kind of – but there's so much in the news today. I want to talk about Roger Stone, uh, Donald Trump, of course. Uh, But right now I think the most pivoted thing that most people are discussing, especially here in the city of Chicago – is maybe maybe this 50 to 55 below zero weather that is poised to hit the city in a few hours, like tomorrow, you know, like tomorrow. As I said, schools, public schools have announced that they're closing tomorrow. They don't know if they're going to be open the following day. They will let us know if that should happen. You got city colleges. They are announcing that they're going to be closed tomorrow, and they're going to uh, after tomorrow they're going to announce that they're going to be open the following day for for uh, college students. Uh, universities, some of them are closed down. I mean, this is brutal cold, and then some people have the day off from work, on day off, as I said, day off from school, uh, to stay home and stay out of the cold. The uh, the majority of the people now who are on the streets are first responders, police officers, maybe people coming home from work or coming home from school. But uh, other than that, uh, it's like a ghost town over here. <laughs> you know, people are heeding the warnings to stay off the streets, especially in this brutal time, this brutal cold. If you don't have to be out there, folks, do not go out there. Like I said before, I have an idiot son, and he's out there. He's out there, but I'm pretty sure he's in some place safe, some place warm, feeling all. The best place to be in this type of weather, this type of historic weather, historic weather, is at home <laughs> near a heater or something. Because in some cases, it can get so cold, very cold, your apartment or your home will get just as cold because even if you have on the heat, even if you, your apartment is heated, it, it, it'll it be just so cold that the cold will uh, overpower the heat. That happens. But if that is so, then call your landlord, call somebody, the, the owner of your building, and uh, – or either call 311 to tell them that you don't have sufficient heat in your home or your apartment, and someone will come out to try and, and uh, uh, get that done for you, you know, because this is whole. This is, this is really, really bad. No one needs to sit around in their apartment, especially the elderly or young children, 
and where there's insufficient heat and possibly freeze to death. I mean, I was out here earlier, uh, you know, and I went to the store. I'm not going <laughs> to not going to give the name of the store, but this particular store it's not it has not been very crowded with people. But I went over there today and we went over there today. Me and Carla, you know, I, I hate to drop names, but we went over there today, and people were in this particular supermarket. I mean, they were buying groceries like crazy, as if it was uh, the end of the world or something. <laughs> I mean, they were buying groceries as as if there was going to be an apocalypse or something. You know, they were buying groceries as if they they were going to be shut in or, or, or uh, but they were really buying groceries and a lot of people are afraid they, they, they were just you know uh, basically I mean when I went over there I just went over there to get a few things but they were shopping like they it, it was going to be their last day on earth uh, obviously people are stacking up they want to make sure that they have what they need uh, uh in time of this historic cold, I mean this is cold, and none of it none of it's sunny. But to see people packed and taking everything there is off the store shelves uh, to make sure that they have food <laughs> uh, uh, while they're buried in the house, I always call it buried in the house because every time you can't go outside and you have to stay in the house because it's storming or raining or it's cold. You like being buried in the house, but you got to find something, something to do in the house. You know, I mean, if you're going to be buried in the house because of the weather outside, find something great. Uh, make sure you exercise. Find something that you can exercise with. You know, you, uh, you know, and watch your pets. Your pets can be vulnerable to this too. So everybody should just stay inside when it's when the weather people say. It's going to be a monster. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I have Roger Stone, the guy who's just been indicted by Roger, uh, uh, Roger, Robert Mueller. He's pleading innocent. But if you if you think about this guy, Roger Stone, he's a flamboyant guy. He loves the media. He loves attention. He he loves being out here. Uh, where you put a camera on him or a microphone, microphone, this guy loves media attention. He loves it, and he's guilty as hell. Oh, he's gonna love those four room, uh, <laughs> that that four room prison cell, because he's been indicted by Robert Mueller, and being indicted by Robert Mueller is a very serious thing. And uh, he, this Roger Stone guy, he, I'm hearing he's 66 years old. Uh, and he's playing it to a hilt. He's playing, he's playing the media. Uh, he's playing all of this stuff to the hilt. And uh, he's going to jail. I think he's going to jail. Uh, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Once again, folks, it is a, a um, cold blast. Some, of, some people are calling it a cold snap. But it is a cold blast in the city of Chicago, 
and uh, <laughs> everything is just about shut down. And I was thinking maybe I should shut this show down until <laughs> until we get some reasonable weather. But anyway, if you're on the streets, uh, ouch. If you're on the street out there, people, get off the streets. It's dangerous. It's dangerously cold. You, They're talking about even you can even lose your life. You can even lose your life. So if you're um, out there on the streets, get off the streets. Uh, we're in the city of Chicago. It is cold. It is cold. It is cold. And it is historic. Uh, temperatures and they're constantly, constantly dropping, dropping, dropping. Okay, we will be right back, and I think we have someone on the phone. We will be right back, and as soon as we come back, we will take your phone call. talking about the cold weather here in the city of Chicago, the show that the city that I love, the city that I'm crazy about, the city that I'll never leave, but I may have to do a little, have a little change of heart. <laughs> it is cold. Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hello there, George. It's Karen Ford. How are you doing this evening? Ah, Karen Beth Ford? Yes, sir. Okay, all righty. <laughs> have to make sure. Uh, you, you've been hear, hearing me. You've been hearing me talking about how cold it is, right? <laughs> In the city of yes, Chicago. Yes, I have. Yes, and I'm I, thankful I'm not How is it where you are? <laughs> huh? I am. Yeah, I'm in West Virginia. It's cold here, but probably not as cold as it is there. You know, I hear a lot of people say that. Well, it's cold here. It's not as cold as it is there. And uh, a lot of people yeah. say well, they're feeling sorry for me, right? 
But I love it. I mean, I'm I'm in a warm environment. I'm just, I'm on the outside. I'm on the inside looking out. So that's a good thing. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And and I hope your son gets home soon. (laughs) Well, he's an idiot. Uh, (laughs) And I I hear you are an inspirational speaker. Yes, sir. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. I... I am a financial coach, and I speak and give financial freedom seminars, and I actually really stimulate and inspire people to get out of debt and to build wealth. So as you were talking earlier about how cold it is in Chicago and for people to stay in, you know, this is a time in this cold weather, we don't want our finances to grow cold. In other words, sometimes... When it's cold outside, people are in the mood to spend because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree because I love to shop. It's just that, uh, you know, cold the cold weather will stop you from doing a lot of things. Right, right. Well, and sometimes people will go online and start ordering, you know, on Amazon or other various websites. So, you know, that's just one thing to keep in mind is to keep our our uh, eyes on our pennies, so to speak. You 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 write about that pennies. You you've got that. <laughs> you know what? Pennies you know what I dollars. discovered. A lot of <laughs> yeah. You know what I discovered that a lot of people they don't even have savings savings account. I mean, you know, they don't even have bank accounts, and these people are working, and these people are uh, uh, they don't even have have right. bank accounts. I I think it may be I don't know, but the economy, but you're there to tell people not to uh, break a sweat. That's right. Well, it's interesting that you said that because uh, recent data reveals about 54% of Americans have not calculated how much they're going to need for retirement. And that's that's over half. And so that's a little scary. uh, It is. Because it really is because we need to be prepared for retirement. You know, we can't really yeah. set our sights on Social Security, and even if it is there when we retire, it's not going to be enough. You know, totally I think not sometimes, enough. Oh, that's exactly right. Sometimes people think that when they retire, they're going to spend less money, but actually, they'll spend more because because you're not going to be working. You're going to want to go travel. You're going to maybe want to go see your grandchildren. You're going to want to go do some things. And to do these things, it's going to take money. So actually, when people say, well, I'll spend less money when I retire, that's, that's actually not true. You're, you're going to want to spend more. Yeah. And one, another thing I think what stops people, what is stopping people from spending money is probably an unsure about the economy right right that's so true you know in a way it's kind of a, it's a good thing that people are holding themselves back some because of the uncertainty that's good that they're they're checking you know what I can't go and be a spendthrift here I need to be watchful and maybe do right. some investments and that kind of thing. And that's actually a safeguard. You know, 
I'd rather have money in the bank than, you know, another pair of shoes. And I love shoes. Yeah, I'd rather have a few pennies in the bank, too, than another pair of uh, pants or something. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, because a lot of people feel that they need a safeguard in case they might, you know, need it uh, in terms of the economy uh, crashing or, you know. Right. Well, 40% of Americans say that if they had an emergency that was going to cost $1,000, they wouldn't be able to take care of it with cash. Exactly. Now, that's scary. That's scary. You know what's scary to me? I'm going to catch you up. What's that? You know what's scary to me? I didn't realize. Hello? Yes, sir. You know what's scary to me? me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's that? Okay. Uh, I didn't know until the recent government shutdown that I'm, I I'm, uh, probably was dumb on this, but anyway, I didn't know that there are so many people working in government, federal jobs, who are living mm-hmm. from check to check, one check to another. My thinking was right. if you worked for the government, wow, you've got a lot of cash in the bank. But uh, that was something that was thrust upon me, and by you being a financial planner. Are you a financial planner? Financial coach. Yeah. Okay, coach. The the difference is, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so I I didn't know people were living from one check to the the next and with these good jobs. You know, I I, I always thought I was the only person who lived from one check to the next. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really know that. So, so do you put? Right. Do you call that uh, being risky or a danger? Uh, living from one check to oh, the I, next and not oh, and not being able oh, to actually uh, use someone's service, your services. Can people like that use your services who are living from one oh, check absolutely. to the next? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They they need it. I mean, anybody can utilize my services. But, you know, one thing to keep in mind is um, seven out of ten Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Now, if you think yeah. about that, seven out of ten, that's 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Oh, so wow, they get paid, they pay their bills, they go mm-hmm. to the grocery store, they put gas in their car so they can get to work next week, and they are already anticipating that next paycheck. That's scary. Yeah. They, they are that is scary. They are paycheck to paycheck, hand them out. That really is scary. And so a financial coach is one that will sit down with the individual or the couple and assess where is the money going, you know, and maybe help the individual or couple with, you know, where can we make some changes? Because I, it's obvious to me when I see it on paper and when I'm talking with the people where, I mean, I know where they need to make the adjustments, but if I just give them the answer, they're, they're probably not going to do it. But if I ask questions and, and ask them, what are they willing to do? Nine times out of 10, if they can say what they're willing to do, they'll do it and they'll stick with it, but it has to be their decision. So, you know, I've coached people, George, where, This one couple had 86 credit cards between the two of them. This is one couple, 86 credit cards 
that is the record all-time high. And I've coached people with various debts from $500 all the way up to $800,000. So, you know, one thing that I have discovered, though, when I sit down with people, no matter how old they are, George, uh, whether they're 18 or 78, the common thread is they've never been taught how to budget, and that amazes me. It doesn't surprise me necessarily with this younger generation, but up to 78 years old, they, have never, they haven't been taught how to budget. And I have coached a lot of people, and they've never been taught. And I don't know that that is happening in our school system today. And a budget is empowering because a budget is you're telling your money what you want it to do instead of wondering where it went. You're in the driver's seat when you have a budget. Right, right, right. That, this is one so, of the things I was telling okay. my son. This is one thing yes, I was sir. telling my son. Uh, he's taking all of these classes in college. So my, I'm trying to get him to take a business class. Okay. I'm I'm sure that taking a business class would probably teach him a little bit more about money, saving for money, and you mm-hmm. know saving his money and 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 the terminology that come with uh, financial management, you know, and 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 if and if maybe he wants to open a business one day, he'll know some of the intricacies of that, you know. So right. I would, uh, and to get back at what you were saying, you're saying that people need to be educated about their finances. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, money's important. I mean, we're trading our lives when we work mm-hmm. an hourly wage or salary, whatever, however form of payment we're being paid to do a job. We're trading our life for that paycheck. In other words, if if you get paid $20 an hour, you know, you're trading eight hours to make that $160 in that amount of yeah. time. So yeah. you have to make it worth, you have to make it worth it to you because that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. And the t- you're not going to get that time back. So yeah. when you get your paycheck, you know, make a plan, make a budget, And, you know, sometimes the word budget, people have thought, ah, you know, they almost put their fingers up in the sign of a cross, like, no, I don't want a budget, (laughs) you know, because it has such a negative connotation. (laughs) You know what? Some people don't even know what a budget is. That's Yeah, that's true, too, and that's sad. But a budget, you know, if you know how much income you're bringing home, and here's here's another thing that's common, George. I don't want to get ahead of myself. When I coach people, or even if I'm talking with people passing by, and if they say to me, you know, I make this amount of money every month, but I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where it goes. Nine times out of ten, if they say that statement to me, they're not budgeting. In other words, they're not putting their budget on paper and following it. Because if you put your budget on paper and you're following it for the month, you know where every dollar is going. You don't have to wonder where it goes because you know where it's going. You're assigning it where it's going. And so you're in the driver's seat when you budget. That's empowering. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Karen Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show, and you are a 
financial coach, if I can put it that way. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and uh, like I said before, I mean, you got these 800,000 uh, federal employees. And, uh, a large percentage of these people live from paycheck to paycheck, and uh, uh, they can probably use your services. Um how do we get in touch with you? How would they get in touch with you after listening to the show to get in touch with you to try to uh, utilize your services? Absolutely. They can contact me on my website, KarenFord.org. You know what I'm going to do? After the show is over, I'm going to make sure that I pass this particular show around to people. Uh, on, I'm Great. Gonna, put it on Facebook, I'm going to put it on uh, YouTube, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn, some other uh, social networking sites so, because I think people could really use this kind of service especially if they're living from one paycheck to the next uh, and oh, you know, my, yeah. so many people and so many people do not have savings in the bank, but they work but they, I mean, right. when I say work, they, they have jobs and uh, I think yeah. this service could really, really, really uh, help them because I mean you have inspired me also. Do you have a oh, book? Oh well, thank have you, you rich? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes, sir. I have. I I actually have three books. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. <laughs> well, I, I have really seven, and eight, nine, ten, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I see that too. You're a writer as well. Um, I have three books, and they are all on uh, Amazon, but they're also okay. on my website. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, there's a 31-day devotional, and then there's one book that actually gives steps, keys, and principles to demolishing debt and building wealth. And that title of that book is Money Matters. And then my yeah. most recent book is Money Nuggets, which is various quotes uh, revolving around money. All three of those books have to do with, with money, obviously, and getting out of debt and building wealth. And um, the fourth book will come out this summer on real estate investing. So I'm really excited about that one as well. So people are really, really responding uh, positively with uh, what you do in terms of financial management. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they enjoy it. Uh, Yeah, they seem to really enjoy it. So that's good. Okay. Yeah, that, that is good. That is good because a lot of us are in money <laughs> trouble. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. All right. Okay. Carrie Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And I'm going to send you a link to this uh, particular show that you're on so you can share it also. Great. I so appreciate that, George. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. Thanks for being on the show, okay? Bye-bye. Thank you. You have a good night, George. I'll stay warm. <laughs> Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. Trump has promised a news conference Wednesday. I'll believe it when I see it. He has every reason to cancel it or simply ignore his promise. The trick worked with the news conference about his wife's reported immigration irregularities. The trick worked with the news conference he scheduled for December 15th to address his potential business conflicts of interest. The trick worked when he promised for last Tuesday or Wednesday revelations about Russia's hacking of the election. Of course Trump has broken his promise. It's a Trump promise. But this news conference is designed as, and here is my favorite word again, chaff. 
to deflect from the now four confirmation hearings Trump and his Senate monkey Mitch McConnell have scheduled for the same day, including the confirmation of a nominee who had not yet been vetted by the Ethics Office, DeVos at Education, including the confirmation of the man who defines the corporate globalism Trump himself specifically denounced as recently as December 1st, Secretary of State nominee Rex Tillerson, who's actually a resident of the nation of Exxon. To deflect from these real problems, Tillerson is like the John Hausman and Ned Beatty characters from the movies Rollerball and Network. Trump has to say something outrageous to start a new flimsy controversy at a news conference.
our Coast Guard. It is not right that we aren't paying the Coast Guard. Right now, every other military branch is being paid. The Army's being paid, the Navy's being paid, the Air Force is being paid, the Marines are being paid, but the Coast Guard is not being paid, even as they're risking their lives. Many of us in Texas and along the Gulf Coast saw the incredible heroism of the Coast Guard in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. He brought forward a bill to pay the Coast Guard. It did nothing else. We could have passed that right here today, and there's one reason and one reason only we didn't, because the Democratic leaders stood up and said, I object. These crocodile tears that the senator from Texas is crying for first responders are too hard for me to take. They're too hard for me to take. Because when, you sh when the senator from Texas shut this government down in 2013, my state was flooded. It was underwater. People were killed. People's houses were destroyed. Their small businesses were ruined forever. And because of the senator from Texas, this government was shut down for politics. Then he served to a second place finish in the Iowa caucuses. But we're of no help to the first responders, to the teachers, to the students whose schools were closed with a federal government that was shut down because of the junior senator from Texas. Now, it's his business, not my business, why he supports a president who wants to erect a medieval barrier on the border of Texas, who wants to use eminent domain to build that wall, who wants to declare an unconstitutional emergency to build that wall. That's the business of the senator from Texas, I can assure you. Then in Colorado, if a president said he was going to use eminent domain to erect a barrier across the state of Colorado, across the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, he was going to steal the property of our farmers and ranchers to build his medieval wall. There wouldn't be an elected leader from our state that would support that idea. Which goes to my final point, how ludicrous it is that this government is shut down over a promise the President of the United States couldn't keep. And that America is not interested in having him keep. This idea that he was going to build a medieval wall across the southern border of Texas, take it from the farmers and ranchers that were there, and have the Mexicans pay for it, isn't true. That's why we're here. Because he's now saying the taxpayers have to pay for it. That's not what he said during his campaign. Over and over and over and over again, he said, the Mex Mexico would pay for the wall. Over and over again. That was that. I was going to talk about what he said about the junior senator's father, but I'm going to let that alone. It was after that. And now we're here with the government shutdown over his broken promise while the Chinese are landing 
spacecraft on the dark side of the moon. That's what they're doing. Not to mention what they're doing in Latin America and with their One Belt, One Road initiative in, in, in Asia. That's what they're doing while we're shut down over a promise he never thought he, could, he would never keep and didn't keep. And finally, this idea that, I'm sorry to say, my colleague from Texas, and I, and I respect him, he's obviously a very intelligent person, but this idea that Democrats are for open borders is gibberish. And it is proven by what the senator from Louisiana said, which is that time after time we have supported real border security, not a wall that gets that, that the Mexico pays for, that gets you attentions at campaign rallies from from some people in America, and and it gets talked about on you know Fox News at night. In 2013, Senator from Texas didn't support it. I did. In 2013, we passed the bill here in a bipartisan way. It got 68 votes. It had $46 billion in border security in it. 46! Not $5 billion for his rinky-dink wall he's talking about building. $46 billion of border security. It had, to be precise about it, 350 miles of what the president now refers to as steel slats. By the way, America, do you hear him not calling it a wall anymore? Now it's steel slats. Now it's a, a border barrier. 350 miles of so-called steel slats was in that bill. <clears throat> you know what else is in that bill? I think, Madam President, I believe you voted for that bill. I'll tell you what else was in that bill. We doubled the number of border security agents on that border. They could practically hold hands on the border. There were so many border security agents in that bill. We had billions of dollars of drone technology so that we could learn from what we uh, learned in Afghanistan and other places, <clears throat> and see every single inch of that border. Every inch! We had internal security in that bill, so that small businesses and farmers and ranchers don't have to be the immigration police. So that finally in America, we can actually know who came here legally on a visa, but overstayed their visa, because 40% of the people in this country that are undocumented are here who came legally and overstayed. We still can't do that in America. Because that bill passed the Senate, but it couldn't get a vote in the House because of the stupidest rule ever created called the Hastert Rule. Named after somebody who's in prison. That has, that, has, that has allowed a minority of tyrants in the Congress to bring a Democratic president, low, 
President Obama, who they didn't let do anything, <clears throat> and to ruin the speakership of John Boehner, and to allow Paul Ryan to almost accomplish nothing while he was speaker except leaving this place in a government shutdown. The so-called Freedom Caucus. And the so-called Freedom Caucus has had a veto around this place for 10 years, Madam President. Completely distorted the Republican Party here. If I do say so myself, that may sound presumptuous, but I know a lot of Republicans in Colorado who don't agree with almost anything or anything that the Freedom Caucus has stood for. Yet they have had a veto on, on, on good bipartisan legislation passed uh, by the United States Senate. So I'm not going to stand here and take it from somebody who shut the government down while my state was flooded. Or from a president who's saying he wants $5 billion to build some antiquated medieval wall that he said Mexico would pay for. When I helped write and voted for a bill that actually would have secured the border of the United States of America. That would have secured our internal defenses as well. This is a joke. And the fact that it consumes, you know, the cable networks all night, every night, and all the rest of it, this government should be open. We can debate whatever it is we want to debate. Do you think that the Chinese don't know that we can't land a spaceship on the dark side of the moon? Do you think the Russians don't know that for the first time since John Glenn was sent up <clears throat> to orbit this planet, America cannot put a person into space without asking the Russians to do it? Do you think the rest of the world doesn't know that we're not investing in our infrastructure? that we're not investing in the young generation of Americans, that we're willing to lose the race for artificial intelligence to the Chinese, that we're going to break all of our long-standing alliances since World War II at a moment when China is rising, that Chinese, China, China's GDP has quadrupled since 2001, tripled since 2003, doubled, since 2009. Do, do, do we think that no one in the rest of the world knows all of that about us? We should reopen this government, Madam President, today. We should open it today. And then what I hope much more than that is that we actually come together to figure out how we're going to govern this country again and stop playing petty partisan politics that are going to do nothing to educate the next generation of Americans, that are going to do nothing to fix the fiscal condition of this country for 10 years.
for 10 years, Madam President. I've heard the junior senator from Texas, I've heard the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives talk about how important it is to get the fiscal condition of our government fixed. In fact, that's been the pretext for shutdowns and for fiscal cliffs and for, for all this stuff that does nothing but denigrate our democratic republic. And now, Madam President, for the first time almost in history, it happened once before in Viet during the Vietnam War, for the first time almost in history, we are actually having our deficit shooting through the roof while unemployment is falling. Never happened before. And these are the people who called Barack Obama a Bolshevik and a socialist and at the depths of the recession when, when we had a 10% unemployment rate, didn't lift a finger to do anything. They have now given us a fiscal condition where our deficit is going up while our unemployment rate is falling. Do you know how hard, Madam President, it is to accomplish that? Do you know how irresponsible you would have to be to accomplish that? Yet, that's what's been accomplished. When I was first here, it was actually a little after I was first here, I used to walk through Denver International Airport, which we're very proud of in Colorado. By the way, it is the most recent airport that's been constructed in America. While we've been closed, other airports around the world, new airports have been opened. Just, just while we've been closed. So, so Denver International Airport is the most recent airport in the country to be opened. It was opened 25 years ago, a quarter of a century ago. And during moments like when the senator from Texas shut the government down while Colorado was underneath floods and people had lost all the things that I talked about earlier, their houses, their jobs, and their lives. I used to want to walk through that airport with a paper bag over my head because I was so embarrassed to be part of this. And I often wondered, Madam President, why anyone would, in their right mind, want to work in a place that has a 9% approval rate. In fact, I brought out a chart, two charts one day to the floor, one that showed that we hadn't always had the 9% approval rating to remind people how far we had fallen in, in the public's estimation over the time that the senator from Texas and I have been here. Uh, and then I brought another chart out that, that looked at who else has a 9% approval rating. And I can't remember all that it's sort of been lost in the midst of time, but I do remember that the uh, IRS had a 40% approval rating. Um, uh, there was an actress uh, uh, who had a 13% approval rating. More people wanted America to be a communist country, 11% than approved of this country. And Fidel Castro had a 5% approval rating, which was lower than our 9% approval rating. He was the only one 
who had a lower rating than that. And so my question often was, why would anybody want to work in a place that has such a low approval rating? And why would they want to behave in a way that only made matters worse? And I'm sorry to say this, Madam President, but there is an answer. If you think you have been set here to dismantle the federal government, which I have lots of problems with, this federal government, I don't think it does a lot of things very well, and as a Westerner, I certainly believe we need to not be in the business of defending bad government. We need to be improving the government. But if you think your job is to dismantle it, as the Freedom Caucus does, in my view, then a 9% approval rating suits you just fine because you get to go home and say, see how terrible all those guys are? See what idiots all those guys are? While you're taking your pay, while the federal workers are not getting paid, while you're keeping your job, while they're losing their job. And there has been an effort, not just to dismantle the federal government, but to separate it from the American people. To claim that it's someone else's, or that because it's corrupt, and in many ways I think it is. I believe it is. I believe this place is one of the most corrupt parts of the whole thing. But because it's corrupt, or because it can't get its act together, or because uh, it's too far away from the people, or because I think, I would say, because it's populated by a bunch of self-interested politicians who don't care about the priorities of the American people. But whatever the reason is, it's not separate. It is not separate. And the reason that's important is that we live in a democratic republic. And the founders of this country, who did two things that had never happened in human history, they led a successful armed insurrection against a colonial power in one generation. And they formed a democratic republic whose constitution was ratified by the people who had lived under it. And what they knew, because they were Enlightenment thinkers, or I should say not what they knew, what they believed, because they had only bad examples from which to draw when they sat there in Philadelphia writing that Constitution. But what they knew was, in a republic, we would have disagreements. That was their expectation. And their belief was that out of those disagreements, we would for And by the way, they knew we'd have disagreements because they had disagreements. And they failed on some very important things, it has to be said. They perpetuated human slavery because they couldn't come to an agreement about that. And other people who I think of as founders just as important, just as significant, as those founders, 
ended the enslavement of human beings in America.
Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody. It is still cold as hell in the city of Chicago. I hope wherever you are, you keep me warm. And I want to say to all those folks in the city of Chicago, get out. Get, get out of that cold. Get get into somewhere warm. If you have to be out there, dress really, really warm. Because I still see people in this frigid, historic cold not dressing properly. They're, they don't have hats on. They don't have gloves on. They just – but majority of the people are, you know, heeding the warnings of uh, frostbite and just freezing the fuck to death. Get the hell off the streets. You know, I have an idiot son. He's still out there. I mean, he if he freezes to death, then we'll just have to call the ambulance. But anyway, everybody else, get <laughs> – get off. The um, I'm joking. Uh, get off the streets, stay cold, keep yourself cool. I want to thank my guest, uh, money manager, financial coach, you know, uh, and speaker Carol Beth Ford for being on the show today. She, uh, you know, I mean, I've learned a lot. I, I always learn a lot from guests on the show because uh, I want to learn. I'm, I'm up to learn. Uh, you don't. Um, get out of this world without learning something about someone, everyone that you come in contact with. Someone should have something to that to show you, you know. And I think she's one of those people who are real, who are um, legitimate in wanting to try to help people manage, save, and learn about money management. So if you have, if you have money problems, um, anything, uh, most of us do. I do. <laughs> if you have money problems, uh, contact Carol Beth Ford. And, and if you didn't hear her, leave her information. Uh, podcast the show, listen to the show, and, and get that information and contact her. Uh, she has three books online. I mean, you know, uh, just put in uh, Karen Beth Ford. I'm pretty sure her books will show up on Amazon. All right, thanks for listening to the – well, we're not over yet, are we? we got a few more. Okay. Okay, the George Wilder Jr. Show, 2019 Hate Lies Have No Home Here. Guest Karen Beth Ford, be nice to one another, take back our country. Trump is threatening another shutdown on the 15th of February, folks. And the way the GOP has been in his butt, this if the shutdown happens, it will be a much longer one. Uh, this previous shutdown, the post-shutdown, I'm hearing lasted for 35 days. 35 days. That's the longest shutdown in American history by a goofy president. And the thing about it, the shutdown was for nothing. What did he get out of it? He got zero out of shutting down the government for 35 days. The only thing this shutdown did was hurt a lot of Americans. People who are steadfast and not voting for him. Again, if he decides to run, and that's if he even makes it to 2020 without being indicted or arrested. He may not even make it to 2020 uh, to run for for uh, president. But anyway, he's still in office, and he's still breathing. So uh, this shutdown is going until the 15th. I mean, the, uh, basically what I'm saying is, uh, we're, the government is back open, so he's threatening, and the Republicans are threatening to shut it down on the February 15th for a bogus wall. We all know, or we should know, that this is a fake crisis. 
when they're talking about this border wall because I said it many I said it many times. This is not about a wall. This is about power and control. This is about getting his way and getting what he wants, even if what he wants is a waste of money and a waste of time. That's what this is. This would be. There is no crisis on the U.S.-Mexico border, none whatsoever. This is a manufactured crisis. It's a made-up crisis. Trump lying. The Republicans are lying, you know. Because if if Nancy Pelosi decides to give him some money, uh, he's going to come back and do this again. He's going to hold people hostage. And at this point, Trump ha- has lost a lot of his credibil- uh, credibility. He Actually, he never had any incredibility, but he's lost a lot of support. Even staunch reporters, people who voted for him, they're saying that they're giving up on his ass because he doesn't care about anything but himself. He listens to Fox News and and takes his orders from Ann Coulter and the rest of them jackasses at Fox News. Okay, post shutdown and some, some in the GOP Okay, some Republicans see a door slightly ajar to challenging Trump. I think that's what they need to do. I think that is what uh, – that's going to scare Trump if Trump is primary, meaning the, the Republicans may find another uh, Republican candidate, candidate for president of the United States to run against Trump. And Trump, if they do that, Trump will surely lose. He will lose. And if he loses, he becomes, if he loses this primary, if he should be primary, which I think he should, and it seems like a lot of Republicans are saying that he should be primary, if he loses the primary against against another challenge challenger, he will be indicted. He will go to jail. The Justice Department cannot save his ass anymore, which I and some others totally disagree that. Uh, Republicans, a sitting president cannot be indicted for crimes. It says nothing about that in the Constitution, so I think that this is just a way that the Republicans are just trying to save Donald Trump. But they are actively thinking of uh, challenging Trump, the Republicans, uh, meaning they want to run another person against him. Okay, Jeff Flake sat along at the uh, Don Pizza shop inside New York's Penn Station Tuesday afternoon, eating a piece of a piece of deep dish, whatever, and mused about the possibility that a candidate could beat Donald Trump in the Republican primary. And I do think that, and a lot of us think that he can be whooped. It wouldn't be him that morning. Yeah, uh, Trump. In a state, New Hampshire, yeah, he, excuse me, I'm talking gibberish. I'm just trying to understand this article. But basically, um, Trump is in trouble. If the Republicans are thinking about running uh, uh, a challenger against him in the Republican primary upcoming, Trump is toast. He's out of there, and they know it, and they see the writing on the wall. And a lot of people on the Republican side of the aisle are thinking about challenging Donald Trump. And if he if they challenge him, he's done for because he's thinking about shutting down the government again. 
And I always say this. I think Trump is going down, and I do think he's going to try and take America down with him. And at this point, Trump's got to be thinking. He's got to be thinking, I'm vulnerable. I can be beaten. I can be thrown out of office. I can go to jail. He has to be thinking those kinds of things now. He's not going to be a dictator. He's not going to be any kind of a dictator. And I, I do think they should primary him because they'll have a better chance at winning this election. Republicans will have a better chance at winning uh, in 2020 than they will with Trump. Trump will not get any votes. Trump is the most hated man in the world. And, and when you're the most hated man in the world, you're not going to win elections. One of, the, one of the things about Trump is that he screws up and he keeps on screwing up. I'm doing a book about Trump. I've been working on it for, I think, maybe over almost a year. And um, it should be out in a month or two on top of the other stuff I have uh, readily available on Amazon. But, you know, yeah, he's up against – he's going to be up against some challengers because if they know – the Republicans know if they don't run nobody against Donald Trump, they're going to lose. Their standing in politics will be diminished all the way. Nobody likes Trump. Nobody – Trust Donald Trump. Yeah, he's going to say something. I'm pretty sure he's pissed about being primaried, but he just brought it on himself. And he's thinking about another shutdown, maybe a week or two weeks or a week and a half away from now uh, at the height of this radio show. So we're going to have to deal with it, you know. And uh, he will be primaried. Once again, I want to thank my guest, uh, financial coach and speaker, Karen Beth Ford, for being on the show today and for being such a great – I'm going to do her a favor by, you know, um, making sure that she um, get the word out about what she does. Okay? All right. uh, Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder doing the show. As I said, we're doing – I'm coming at you right now in a different way than I usually do, and it's all because – it could be because of the cold weather. Um, I know my phone bill will be uh, pretty, pretty high. But anyway, thanks for tuning into the George Wilder Jr. Show, uh, and I hope everybody listens to the show. You tell everybody about the show. You tell everybody about me, positive things. <laughs> and, uh, you know um, – Stay warm out there, everybody. It is cold. They're saying it. I can see the windows freezing up with thick ice on my studio windows. The the, the ice is freezing up pretty, pretty thick on this, my studio windows. So everybody uh, in the city of Chicago and around the world, if you're living in a cold climate, keep yourself warm. Keep yourself safe. Keep yourself safe. Dress warmly in layers. Cover every inch of your body, no exposed skin, and you have a very, very nice rest of the, rest of the uh, evening. The George Wilder doing the show is off the air. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Bye-bye.